This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you gotta grow up sometime. Episode, I it was cannot, something. I feel so good about my predictions. Yeah. I don't yeah. even remember what they all were, but I am very happy about them. Well, let's go over your predictions. Okay. Because um, first of all, you predicted that the baseball game would happen. You were right about that. But yeah. you predicted the big deal would be Muffy's announcement and no actual baseball action would occur. Like maybe we wouldn't know who wins and Sydney would never have to make an actual choice. Yeah, man. I was, I was pretty wrong about that. Oh, by the way, this is Gotta Grow Up Sometime, oh, yeah. Swan's Crossing Retrospective. That's true, and I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey. We're just doing everything backwards today, and that's fine. You know, it's it's a very stressful time here. It is. You predicted that Mila would be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was good. Uh, lots of shots of the girls on the sidelines describing what happens in the game, but no visuals of the actual game. That, I was wrong. You were I wrong, was wrong about that. But I was right. I was right about the girls describing what happens That's, in the game. Yes. And <laughs> so, like, I cannot wait to talk about the fan reactions. Oh, they were really They're good. They're so good. Uh, you predicted Jimmy would be there, but would be sullen. That was right on. Yep. We got alert noises going off. Yep, everyone should, listen, guys, we do not have high production values, and everyone should be used to that by now. We're probably doing about the best we can at this point. I'm not going to put more effort into this podcast. I'm not a professional <laughs> podcaster. I have no ambitions to be one. And I'm putting in even less effort than Libby, so <laughs> just know that. We're literally just doing this because we like talking about this terrible TV show from the 90s. <laughs> and, and once we hit episode 65... <laughs> That's it. We're done. We're done. done. I'm going to go back to my life of writing full time. (laughs) 50 more episodes to go. I know. It's wonderful. Mercy. Uh, Okay. Anyway, uh, you predicted Barrick would be there and unfortunate tension would occur between him and Callie. Well, unfortunate tension happened. Yeah. (laughs) 50% right. You predicted Grant Booth would make an appearance. Boy, howdy. Oh, mama. (laughs) Garrett would be hatching a plot. No, no Owen, Sandy, or Baldies. Mostly wrong on that one. Yeah. And that we would have no clue what Muffy's big project will be. Yeah, well, yeah. I was, man, I was much more wrong than I remember being. <laughs> but you know, you were still about 50% right, and that is better than you do on most episodes. There we go. So hey. Yeah. Silver linings. Okay. Well, we open with a shot of a white dove a sitting white in a tree. dove in a tree above the baseball field. There is still red, white, and blue bunting on the baseball field fence. It, like, how, I would really love a chronology of the episodes. Like, how many days is it past 4th of July at this point? Because I think it's only, like, maybe a week. Yeah, and I we've think... been living in this pod, we've been living in this show for three weeks at this point. This is the final episode of week three. I, yeah, I think you're right. It's about a week after the big drama happened. 
Well, no, wait. It's two weeks. Because okay. at one point, maybe I think either in the last episode or in the next one, I don't remember which, but Nancy mentions that it's been two weeks since Mila showed up. And she showed up on the 4th of July. That's right. Okay. So, okay. Two weeks. All right. Anyway, the, the dove is making sounds that doves do not make. Right. And then... We get the extremely quiet Muffy voiceover, which is <laughs> profoundly difficult to hear over the background music. <laughs> and the thing that I love about this is it's not clear at the beginning if Muffy is doing a sound check for her big announcement or actually doing her big announcement because Glory and Sydney are just like walking along the side of the field <laughs> like nothing is actually happening. So I was very confused as to what was going on. Yeah, Muffy sort of says in a muffled way that she is announcing a project that will involve the young people of the town. Right. And that's like as Gloria and Sydney are walking around. Gloria is scandalized by the fact that the mayor is there. And Sydney's like, oh, she's just going to make this announcement. She's not staying for the game. Yeah, huge relief there. Uh, I was feeling it. They spot their respective guys on the field. And this is my first of many wonderful moments of this episode. <laughs> because uh, JT like pulls Glory's hanky out of his back pocket and like waves it like a knight <laughs> at a jousting My lady! Murr! <laughs> and then... That's your knight noise? Murr! What ho! Tally ho! No, I think I'm fox hunting. I think that's what's happening. That sounds fox hunty to me. Jeez. And then, like a creeper, JT appears, excuse me, Garrett appears from around the dugout holding a rose. <laughs> Which I just love. And he makes eye contact with Sydney. And I don't know, I don't know what I love the most about this moment. Is it that JT just, or that Garrett just knew that she was there and knew to sort of appear like he had some sort of sixth sense that Sydney was close and could make eye contact with him? <laughs> was it the fact that this teenage boy has taken a rose to the dugout of his <laughs> baseball game where he will obviously get teased mercilessly? Yeah. Is it the fact that this happens to both girls at the same time? <laughs> Almost like it's scripted. It's so good. Glory and Sydney approach Grant Booth, who is just kind of standing on his own, scowling across the field at Muffy. And then Muffy's audio loops back to where it started for no apparent reason. So right. she goes right back into the verbatim thing she said before. Maybe this is where the announcement actually starts. Like the first bit was the mic check. I would Maybe. feel much better about that. She was rehearsing like yeah. initially. Uh, uh, Glory stops to try to talk to her dad, and he's just kind of ignoring her and muttering about how Muffy still thinks the pier collapse was his fault. This actress is so tiny. She is tiny. She comes up to just above Grant's belt. She is probably about five feet tall, and actually I found like an old bio of her on an ancient Swans Crossing fan site from like the early 2000s. And um, it said that her family nickname nicknamed her Little Bit because she is itty bitty. <laughs> Anyway, Muffy announces that the town will build a new concert stage in place of the ruined pier, but she's going to have the children of the town build the stage. And it's going to be a new landmark in their 300-year-old town. This sounds like a terrible idea, primarily because I'm pretty sure none of these kids is licensed, bonded, or insured. I, as a teenager, 
built a lot of sets for plays. As did I. And, and I don't know about your sets, but ours were only meant to last for like a weekend and sometimes did not last that long. Oh, oh for sure. So, we had some memorable collapses in the middle of shows. Uh, did you ever have the set catch fire in the middle of a show? No, but you told me that story okay. one time and it was great. It is very good. Okay. <laughs> Just, you know, poor listeners. I feel bad. We're not going to go into that. Maybe that's a bonus episode. Mid-season this, bonus. How Nathan caught the set on fire. I didn't catch the set on fire. I was on stage when it happened. Okay. The idea of children building anything that will last, let alone something that's going to be a new landmark, is absurd. It is very absurd. Anyway, we cut to Nancy and Sydney. Nancy is gloating, so you know something great is about to happen. Can we also just appreciate for a moment that whenever Nancy shows up she's wearing that beautiful blue blazer (laughs) she's she's at a baseball game wearing a baseball cap and she still has on her character like trademark blue blazer she's got her power suit so good oh so anyway apparently she has fixed things so Garrett won't even look at Mila today yeah because Mila is wearing Newport's colors oh my god what a bitch Nancy told her to wear red and white. It's Newport's colors! And Sydney and Nancy share this wonderful, glorious, evil laugh. (laughs) Uh, And I just love that moment. And then Glory walks up with Mila and just spills the beans. Like, who didn't tell Mila about the colors? And then Mila confronts Nancy and then Nancy and Sydney, like, pretend not to hear her. Which is... (laughs) My favorite thing that, my favorite way of dealing with social tension is just to pretend that it isn't (laughs) happening. Fortunately, we cut away from this super awkward situation and it is never resolved. Nope. It is never spoken of again. Uh, We cut to Saja. He's meditating on the grass with Jimmy sitting beside him. Jimmy's trying to make sure Saja is going to cover his position well. And what is it? Shortstop? I don't remember what he plays. He's playing third base. And I just want to talk about for a second this line that Saja says. Because Jimmy is trying to coach him because he really (laughs) wants to win this game. And Saja says, my material form will be on third base. But it is your spirit that will illuminate it. (laughs) Yeah. So Callie comes over. She kind of sticks up for Saja. She's like, hey, I've been teaching him how to cover the position for two days. Of course she has been because Callie knows everything in the universe. And that's what we love about her. We just love her. Uh, Saja gives Jimmy a slap on the hurt shoulder <laughs> to comfort him. And that puts that puts Jimmy instantly back into like a dark depression. <laughs> it just, it's like watching a switch flip. Everything puts Jimmy into a dark depression. <sighs> Anyway, Losing his girlfriend. God, Callie liking him for some reason. He's very angry about the fact that Callie has a crush on him. What a dick. Oh my gosh. Anyway, we see Garrett and JT. They're both about to start playing. Glory comes over and says good luck to JT. And Garrett glares at her. (laughs) And she saves by saying, both of you. And then she just like runs away. I know, it's so great. He looks over at JT and he's like, how could a sister of mine have no taste? Listen. I don't want to offend anyone who may be listening out there. Maybe one of our 17 listeners is a rich person. But we live in a place where there are a lot of very wealthy people. And in my experience, the wealthier you are, the shittier your taste is. I mean, (laughs) 
There are some intensely ugly houses on this island that must have cost a medium-sized fortune to build. And I mean, they are ugly. So I can easily believe that a booth home, that, that a booth child would have terrible taste. Yeah. Uh, We're back to Muffy. Yes. Uh, the plan is to have the stage ready for the big election concert at the end of the summer. The big election concert, you know. You know. The traditional... That's a thing. That, Swans Crossing election right. concert. Right. Like, everyone has a, a concert after an election. Absolutely. She gestures to Sydney as she introduces her to spearhead the project. And it's very confusing at this point whether this is, like, is this now the actual announcement? I <laughs> what is no happening? Yeah, maybe. I mean, the, the crowd's kind of still filtering slowly into the bleachers, so. And then it... But we're instantly answered on this question because a reporter, like, <laughs> like bursts into camera. The camera work goes black and white and all shaky. Yes. And this is the first of the glorious camera work that we get to see in this episode in which they are outside of their studio setting. Because... There's some very, there's some very good shots. It is very choppy. Oh Sometimes it even switches from black and white to a weird, like toned purple and white. And mm-hmm. I think the cameraman and or the editor just got drunk. Yeah, I mean it's very weird. Yeah, the um, reporters are like, "You can't build something new. You can't even finish town hall, and all the records <laughs> are missing." <laughs> and Muffy's like, well, we aren't using booth construction. Just as Grant Booth wanders up, still scowling. This is. This is the thing that is very, this question that the reporter asks about why are you planning an election concert when you're running uncontested is very confusing to me. Because if I were running uncontested, I would be ready to celebrate because I knew I would win. Yeah, <laughs> right? why not? Grant reigns on the parade by grabbing the PA mic and making an announcement to the entire crowd who's gathered to watch the baseball game that Muffy is no longer running uncontested he is now running against her. And for a half second, we get this shocked reaction from Garrett, which I just <laughs> love. Like, oh, we have to know how Garrett feels. And then a dramatic shot from Sydney, too. <laughs> They're both like, oh, shit. That's great. <laughs> and, and then I think it's Grant that says, it's time this town had a chance to decide between the booths and the Rutledges. And the camera pans away. And I was sitting there going, Two households, both alike in dignity, in well, fair Verona, where we lay our scene. Like, this is so, this is so Romeo and Juliet. It's two so, households, both alike in dignity, if you consider the fact that they really don't have much dignity. It's true. They've been squabbling with each other for 300 years. Oh my gosh. So the baseball game starts, the home team runs onto the field. The home team is, of course, called... The Swans. The Swans Crossing Swans. Yeah. Of course. I mean, you'd think there'd be a more creative mascot for the team. Everything in this town is a swan. Of course it is. So maybe they go with, like, I don't know, the Swans Crossing Steelers. I don't, I don't know. Swans Crossing Sorcerers in honor of the Clayton <laughs> family. Nope. Right. Swans. Nope. In the bleachers, Sydney is grilling Glory about her dad's sudden announcement. Glory's like, no one, we didn't know anything about it. It's total shock to all the booths. And then... Muffy joins them. Oh my god. She comes over and sits down and Sydney is freaking out because Muffy wasn't supposed to stay for the whole game. But she's like, if Grant Booth stays, I stay. And Garrett gets introduced as pitcher. There's a big cheer. Sydney turns to Glory and asks the very obvious question that all of us are asking in our heads. But thank god someone's given in a voice. What do I do if he wins? (laughs) I guess we'll have to find out. And then we get the theme song. Yes, when we come back from the theme sequence, 
Sandy is singing the national anthem. And though I'm pretty sure the right. actor Kristen Mann is lip syncing to a pre-recorded song, but it is actually her voice and she's a very good singer. Yeah, it does sound really actually quite good. I there are two things here. First of all, I definitely should have predicted that. Like that should have been in my <laughs> predictions. Obviously. Yeah. And secondly, the anthem happens after the home team is introduced and is already on the field, which I don't think is traditional. And a Probably little, not. A little strange. Symbolically, the camera zooms slowly back from Sandy to reveal that she is being viewed from inside a catcher's mask. If you recall, two episodes ago, she was forlornly wearing a catcher's mask and acting very sad, so symbolism or yeah. something. Owen, who is wearing the catcher's mask, walks over to Mila and offers her leather jacket. And there's this actually very cute moment where she realizes it's not because she's cold, but because he's offering it to her so that she can be in the school colors. Right. It's black and yellow, so, so she can finally fit in. So she's like, oh, thanks. And she puts it on. Owen puts his mask back on and immediately trips over his own feet. It's so great. Which is pretty cute, actually. Which is exactly how I would respond if... At that age, if that girl had smiled at me. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much how my life has gone. Whenever I have gotten the attention of any, of any person I've been attracted to, I've immediately done something incredibly stupid and clumsy. So yeah. I felt this. Uh, Garrett yells at him like a total asshole, of yep. course. Yep. And then Mila sits down with a jacket and shoots a glare over at Nancy, <laughs> which is great. And then we get this. I love this so much. We get an announcer voice. Uh, who's like, you know, like radio announcing the baseball game. And then we get a shot of a television control room <laughs> for this children's baseball game. It's obviously just like the editing room at the studio, Astoria Studios in New York. Oh <laughs> it's gosh. so great. Sandy is trying to find a place to sit down and everyone tries to ostracize her because, ooh, she's poor. But Mila makes room for her because Mila has a soul. Yeah. Also, I want to point out that Sydney is the worst friend. <laughs> Sydney is just the absolute worst friend. Also, can we talk for a second about the glorious giant sunflower on Sandy's vest? Oh my god. Sandy is wearing a yellow like vest with this enormous sunflower on it. And the hats in this episode are also very, very good. They are very good. Um, regarding the enormous sunflower, when I was, I guess, a senior in high school, there was some high stakes dance. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't senior prom, but some dance that everybody was freaking out about. My friends wanted me to go with them. I didn't want to go. It was one of those dances where you had to have a date, blah, 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 because it was the 90s. So I asked my friend Josh to go with me just for fun, like not as a date. And he was like, yeah, okay, cool. And then because my friends were making such a big fucking deal out of this stupid dance and getting like boutonnieres and everything, I went and had the florist custom make a boutonniere with an enormous sunflower. I was like, make the biggest, most ridiculous boutonniere you can possibly create. And she did. And it was a huge sunflower. You were legitimately the coolest teenager I I've was. ever heard of. That was pretty cool. Sometime we'll have to talk about what my bedroom looked like as a teenager. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't look like Glories? No, no. It looked like a Here. 1930s drug den. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it was great. Like an opium den? Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a vintage 1930s click bed, which was like an early form of a futon and a coffee table and an old like vintage record player. Anyway, it was cool. I was a cool teenager. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So uh, Garrett, we're, we cut to in the middle of the baseball game. Garrett tosses a pitch that almost hits the batter, who is Bo Milo, the captain of the, uh, the Newport baseball team. And they, I believe the only Newport player that we see this entire episode. 
Yeah, I think so. I think He's the they, only one. They were like, we only want to do one of these uniforms. Yeah. They've managed to do some editing magic so you only ever see Bo Milo, who's a, a big kid. He's like a big strapping youth. Yeah, and and he, after the after the almost, almost getting hit by the ball, he yells at Garrett, I thought you were in the French Alps yodeling away. And then Garrett claps back with, oh, eat your yodels. <laughs> eat your yodels. Maybe that's the title for this episode. I, that's definitely the title for this episode. It is my favorite line in this, in this one. It's good. And oh my gosh, I just love the idea of having like some sort of yodel breakfast cereal. <laughs> like breakfast of champions. Mm. Garrett strikes the guy out. The crowd goes wild, and guess who's sitting in the bleachers, y'all? It's Phil, our favorite extra. Yay, Phil's back. <laughs> yeah, hey Phil. We jump to a little later in the game. Someone hits a ball straight to Saja. He just kind of stares at it in terror. The white dove in the tree makes another non-dove noise. <laughs> Callie, like, lifts up her sunglasses and rolls her eyes. And Saja holds out his hand in his glove like he's making monster hands and then just stands there. Yep. So, misses it completely. And Newport takes the lead. And the entire set of people in the stands all go, Saja! <laughs> With one voice. <laughs> when, we, when we come back from commercial, the score is Swans crossing zero, Newport one at the end of five and a half innings. So both of these teams kind of suck. Yeah, yeah. I, I love, and we keep getting more shots of the broadcast room, which makes me so happy. Children's Little League. <laughs> Jimmy's wandering around the dugout being mopey. And the, we cut to the coach saying... Gotta get back in the game. Hustle, drive, spirit. And he just keeps repeating this. <laughs> it was the only line he was given, so he's just gonna say it. Say it. Over and over. It's, it's like that double spin that Sydney does. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. This is it. <laughs> Callie talks to Jimmy through the fence, and she's like, hey, Saja needs your support. And Jimmy's like, nothing can help him or me, so lay off. God. Jimmy, such a whiny little prick. Right. Also, I don't know why Callie is bothering him. Saja does not need Jimmy's support. Nobody needs Jimmy's support. This is a children's baseball game. Seriously, this is so low stakes. JT's up to bat. Glory gets the whole crowd chanting for him. And JT gets a nice hit. Everyone goes wild and Sydney looks like she just ate a worm because now they might win. <laughs> right. Coach Tuna calls out the lineup. Saja's up third, but no one knows where he is. Cut to the dove in the tree. <laughs> Maybe this is Saja's like guiding spirit animal or I something. Just, I love this dove. I love this dove so much. I love that it has nothing to do with anything and that it just keeps popping up. And then it's great. always in the same place. They have somehow managed to hold this dove in place this whole time. <laughs> amazing. Saja has wandered off into the park as it turns out and he's sitting with Callie under the trees having a philosophical discussion about baseball. I don't get it. What's the point? Yeah, he's like, he doesn't know what the ball and the mitt and the bat signify. Like, dude, Saja, listen, I hit the drugs a little too hard sometimes <laughs> too, but not everything has to signify something else. Come on, Saja. Yeah. <clears throat> we cut back to Garrett, who's up to bat, and the chanting at this point is started by Mila, who is looking directly down the barrel of the camera. <laughs> Just like, Garrett, Garrett. And I'm That's... like, please stop looking at me. Yeah, it's weird. Sydney says, I wish she'd shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Garrett hits a foul, and he's out on the next hit. Yep. Ha -ha. We cut back to Callie and Saja. <laughs> 
this scene. Saja is opining that he sees things differently from everyone else, and he thought Callie would understand that. He tries to bring her into his philosophical world by asking her what she sees when he holds up a baseball. Callie predictably says, it's a baseball. Because it's a baseball. <laughs> Saja gets all discouraged. Callie's like, no, no, come on, let's try again. And he's like, think bigger, think organic. So what does she say? A melon. A melon. <laughs> Which is, to be fair, larger than a baseball. And but organic. It is both of those things. Yes. Now, the thing that Saja thinks it is, is in fact larger, but is not necessarily organic. Not necessarily. I'm not sure he's clear on what the term organic means. Uh, he says, you're sitting on it. And she guesses the earth. And he's like, yes, and the bat is the cosmic force. And Callie says, so when you hit the earth with the cosmic force, and Saja says, straight out toward the endless possibilities of an enlightened mind. Cue racist music. Cue racist music. And I wish Saja would just get a little bit older so he could discover psychedelics. It would be so much easier for everyone in his life. She says, I'm never going to call it a home run again. This is so stupid. I don't know why she's inspired by this. It's right. not particularly inspiring. Anyway. Uh, but Saja gazes at her clearly in love with Kelly. We cut back to Neil. He strikes out. It's two outs. Man on first. JT. Yes. And then Saja gets announced and the entire crowd again goes, Saja! Saja. We see the symbolic white dove again, and Saja, in slow motion and hefting his bat, approaches the plate. The pitch is thrown, and for no apparent reason, all sound dies away. In the dead, stifling silence, we watch Saja swing. The dove in the tree makes a crow noise, which is the only sound in this sequence. The camera <laughs> zooms up and away, as if from the ball's POV. That is my favorite thing about this, actually, is that we, as the camera, are the ball. It's very, <laughs> it's uh, so it, good. It's very meta. It's great. In absolute silence, the entire cast watches the ball soar over the fence, and sound only returns when it hits the ground outside the park to the accompaniment of Saja's classic racist quasi-Asian bagpipe honk. <laughs> the haunting Saja theme. Mm -hmm. It's a two-run homer! Yeah, and, car and Saja does a cartwheel down the first base line <laughs> as he goes towards the, the base. He That's did, great. he does. It's, it's very athletic. Garrett gets the crowd chanting, we got it made, and Sydney gives him a look like, yeah, great, good for you, buddy. It should be noted that apparently Little League games at this time had seven innings instead of nine. <laughs> Because. <laughs> yeah, Garrett specifies that there is one more There inning. is one more inning. <laughs> when we come back from commercial, the press is trying to get commentary from Muffy over Grant's surprising announcement. Yeah. I, Grant, uh, so so Garrett is, is, is pitching, strikes out the second batter of the seventh. Muffy has come down by the fence to watch and is approached by this reporter who has obviously given the note, make sure your notepad gets in the shot. <laughs> Because he's holding it so close to his damn face. It's true. I'm like, do you need glasses? <laughs> oh, she gives some kind of sly politician answer, and the camera pans over to Sydney, who is very unhappy in the mm -hmm. crowd. Mila kind of puts her hand on Sydney's <laughs> knee in excitement, tries to make small talk, and Sydney like wrenches her hand off her knee. Yeah. <laughs> I, this is, uh, but I do have to point out. So Mila's ending line here is. This is also new and exciting. I just don't know what to do, which is why she apparently is squeezing Sydney's knee so hard. And I just like I, I my forehead hit the desk because 
why did writers do this to the women of my youth? They made them seem so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It was a rough time in the 90s, as I've said many times. Oh anyway, uh, now there's a shot of the cleared off bleachers, even though the game is still going on. Right. Jimmy's sitting there being mopey, and mm-hmm. Barrett comes over and says, Just the way I like it, far from the maddening crowd, which is not the line, it is far from the madding crowd. Is it? Yes, it is. That's okay. a famous novel. <laughs> huh. I need to back up for just a okay. second. Because in the previous scene, we're, we're, we're zooming in on Sydney on the bench. Did you notice the ice cream cone held by the woman behind her? I did not. It is very small. (laughs) (laughs) Like, extremely small. And this ice cream cone looks like whipped cream with a little cherry on top of it that has just barely poked out above the cone. It's like a very tiny waffle cone. Wait a minute. This might not be an ice cream cone. It might be... A Bavarian delectation known as a cornet. Oh my god. I know this because uh, Paul's family is German and his aunt had a German bakery and she used to make these things for him and he was obsessed with them. Okay, so, so they're like a like little cream cornet. in a cone with a little cherry on top. Yeah. Okay. And they're really good. All right. It delicious. looked very good, but I was like, <laughs> is that supposed to be an ice cream? I mean, maybe it is supposed to be an ice cream cone, but it sounds like they got a Bavarian cornet for the, okay. <laughs> for the set. Right. Well, it's probably a rich people thing. Probably a rich you know, people thing. You can't have ice cream. A baseball yeah. game. Yeah. Let's get a Bavarian cornet. Good catch, though. All right. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Varric starts talking to Jimmy about his days in the minor league. Jimmy is impressed. They introduce themselves, and Jimmy realizes this is the new boss at the Tool and Die. Right. And Varric starts coming on to Jimmy. It's like yeah. real, real uncomfortable. Varric is way too sexy with all of these children. <laughs> right? Stop no, it. Varric, get Boundaries. out. Uh, the batter. Uh, pounds a ball under Saja's legs and the image of him looking at the ball (laughs) behind him through his legs is going to haunt my dreams. (laughs) This is just like, it is, it is cartoonish. It is really wonderful. (laughs) JT throws the ball back toward home. It's flying through the air in slow motion. Owen is ready to catch it on the home plate. I disagree. Owen is in no way looking for the ball. It looks like Owen is about to body check Milo. <laughs> Owen is like dead eye staring Milo down as he's coming down there. And Milo is at least twice as large as Owen. Oh yeah, like, this kid is a freight train. Yeah. He's he huge. Pounding down that, that home stretch. And unfortunately, Milo is not the most dangerous thing in this scene to Owen. No, because out of nowhere. Garrett smashes Owen aside violently and catches the ball. He tags out Milo in a slow motion collision, and um, all three of them end up sprawled in the dust like they've just been tased. And the Swans win. Swans win! Woo! Garrett's declared the hero of the game because he tagged the kid out. Muffy has a huge trophy to present, and Sydney's like, I can give it to him. This will not. This trophy looks like it is for like the end of a like a major minor league tournament. It <laughs> is enormous. It's like, bigger than glory for sure. <laughs> it definitely is taller than glory. Yeah, and Muffy's like, no, you will not hand this to, <laughs> to Garrett. Yeah, she, stay she, away from him. She says something like, You've both been in the newspaper once enough, or something like that. Yeah. Um, Glory's like, this is the best day of my brother's life. He won the game and now he can be with you. Which makes Sydney stare horrified into the middle distance. I have to give... What is what is the actress who plays Glory's name? 
Oh gosh, I can't remember now off the top she, of my head. She she is able to say things that are so incredibly obvious in a way that remains super charming. <laughs> I don't know how she does it, but like I'm here for exposition. Glory is the most adorable character. She is really sweet. It's unbelievable. So um, JT's mildly bummed that he didn't play a bigger role in winning. And Owen is badly injured by Garrett's violent collision. He's being helped off the field by Coach Tuna. Mila and Sandy are both there too, kind of trying to help him as well. And Owen says, I can walk. I can talk. I can crawl on my belly like a reptile. And then he looks at Mila like this is supposed to be funny and cute. <laughs> and she seems to take it that way. Maybe because, okay, we've speculated in the past that Owen might be really into reptiles just from clues we have seen scattered around his person. Maybe this is more, maybe this is a reference to that. Maybe this was supposed to be a thing in the show where he's like the reptile kid and everyone knows that about him, but it didn't really get explored fully. I Interesting. don't know. Interesting. Interesting. He has, he has has been known to wear reptile shirts. Yes. We've seen this. For sure. Uh, Jimmy asks Saja and Callie where everyone is going to celebrate. Uh, they're going to Swan's Cafe. Duh, Jimmy. There's only one set. <laughs> That's where everyone goes for every conceivable reason. Callie notes that he's in a better mood. And then he goes, what of it? And stalks off. What is his problem? Jeez Louise, He's such Jimmy. an asshat to Callie. Like, why does he have to be such a fucking cock knocker? <laughs> <laughs> Callie should stop lusting after Jimmy's lame ass and go out with Saja. Or just be single. Yeah. Come on, Callie. Callie, you don't need no man. You're better than this. You're absolutely better than this. Just stay away from Barrick. That's all we ask. Yeah. Muffy's talking to the press about the game and the upcoming concert stage project. Sydney's standing with her. Right. And she she's talking about this this concert stage, and one of the reporters says they're they're trying to set up an interview, and one of them goes, "We could use a good front page story." And I was like, "Grant Booth just announced that he's running for mayor. What are you talking about?" Right, that sounds like that's your front page story right there, buddy. Oh anyway, gosh. in the background, we see Garrett walk over to the pitching mound where he stands alone with his single red rose. And reaches. Reaches out his hand. Reaches out his hand to Sydney. This goes completely unnoticed by Muffy. It should be noted. <laughs> she tells the reporters, let's walk over to the bleachers. And as, you, as the camera wide shot happens, you realize they're walking into the outfield the opposite direction from the bleachers. Distinctly not the bleachers. You also kind of notice that they slow down and stop when they are about, like, so Sydney's kind of equidistant between them. So clearly they were told to just walk away until they were right. equally apart from Sydney. Leave, so leave her in the middle space where she, she must make a decision. Yes, she's left there on the field and uh, Garrett is still reaching out and beckoning to her with his rose in one hand. Hit by the glowing golden light of the setting sun. <laughs> the moment hangs until Sydney closes her eyes eyes in agony, then slowly turns her back on Garrett and follows her mother. This amazing music is playing. <laughs> it's so good. It's so dramatic. Kudos to Sarah Michelle, too, because she actually cries real tears while this happens. Gosh. Freeze frame on Garrett looking super bummed. So crushed. Oh my god, y'all! She did not uphold her end of the cucking contract! Ugh! Oh my god, so dramatic! Okay, 
who is the psychopath of the week? And first of all, let me apologize to our listeners because um, yesterday I finished editing uh, the episode from two, episode 12. You can really hear me typing in the end of that episode, like <laughs> Neil style. I'm sorry, guys. Listen, it is, it is what it is. So you're probably going to hear me typing again. Let's, ne- let's do it. Neil style typing. I love that. <laughs> all right. So uh, I, I think a case can be made for Jimmy. Obviously, because he's such a dick in this whole thing. But I think you could also make a case for Saja, because he is so, like, just, like, left field with this craziness. Maybe it's a tie. It could be. They're both psychopaths in special ways. Yeah, yeah. Do you have an opinion? I kind of feel the same way. I, I'm I'm split between Jimmy and Saja because Saja was very clearly uh, exploring psychedelics in that. Right. I mean, that was a straight up mushroom trip. Those revelations mm-hmm. he was coming to that made no sense. Right. Yeah, that was shrooms. And Jimmy is a dick. So. Hundred percent. You know, fifty-fifty. Yep. Do we have a swan count? There was one swan in the intro. Okay. Uh, one fake swan that brings us to uh, one imaginary swan. Twenty-four actual swans. Forty-nine other swans. Query, do we count the mascot as an imaginary swan or not? Is there a mascot? Well, there's no physical mascot, but the fact that the team is called the swans? No, I don't think we do. However, if the mascot ever shows up, I would be utterly delighted. (laughs) As far as I know, it does not, sadly. That's too bad. But that would be great. I would Uh, love to see, like, I don't know, um, Barrack dressed in a swan costume. Yes, 100%. So, here's my prediction. Okay, lay them on me. The rejection is going to send Garrett into a psychopathic rage, wherein he scorched earth, going to destroy Sydney and or someone else. Okay. Um, I think next episode, Neil and JT try to get back to science because that's what JT promised Neil. And we get the same sort of like horrible triangle thing with Glory interrupting them again. And then it's just everything it normally is. I would like it if we developed Mila and Owen a little bit more. Um, but I think what's going to happen is that we're going to get more Kali Saja Jimmy. Probably back at the tool and die. Probably Barrick doing more creepy innuendo stuff. And I think we'll also get a little bit, like where there's going to be some some plotting or strategy or something around the mayor's race in the next episode. Uh, so I don't know if it's Muffy's back at the office and talking to Sydney on the phone about it, or if they're having a conversation in the house or something like that. Those are my right. predictions. Solid predictions, and we will see how it all pans out next week. Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swans Crossing. And if you want to find us on social media, you can find us at Gotta Grow Up Pod on Twitter and at Swans Cross Pod on Instagram. What? Can I do the ending? Yeah, do the ending. Until next time, be sure to eat your yodels. <laughs>